0: Top of his specialist, predatory survivalist, spinning hell, fight
1: up on his lips. Birds say drive up. All I see is confusion. All I see is confusion. Welcome listeners. To time for an awakening. all that getting and get an un- understanding again welcome to the program this evening with your host brother Elliot and brother Richard the number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215 490 that's 215 we're streaming live at several locations time for anawakening.com is one you can catch the live stream at that location You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream playing there also. You can go to www.abitumi.com. That's com forward slash time for an awakening to catch the live stream there. Or you can download the TuneIn Radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. In that TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's time for an Awakening at dot. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. and that Facebook search engine, you can type in Time for an Awakening Radio Program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. It's Time for an Awakening Radio Program. It's a fan page on base- Facebook, and Time for an Awakening Media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs. On Time for an awakening. interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also check out that Time for an awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforunawakening.com. TimeForAnAwakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 8.07 here on this Friday edition of Time for an Awakening. That's Friday, February the 10th edition of Time for an Awakening. And we're in Freestyle Friday mode. Anything that's on your mind, you can give us a call. We'll talk about it. And you can do that by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. 32 we'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors
2: mr. moderator our distinguished guests brothers and sisters our friends and, and our enemies <laughs>
1: With your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at time for an awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 8 12 on this Friday, uh, February 10th edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co host Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Art Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother
4: Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ellie. How are you, sir? I'm um, doing fine. Um, you know, the temperature is um, favorable, the um, moment is um, interesting, and um, I'm just looking forward to how um, we develop this um, Freestyle Friday as far as a topic and discussion um, for this evening. Uh, Richard. Um,
1: uh, before we get started, uh, I just want to mention, because uh, Brother Maurice out of New York sent me in a, a television report, because uh, the thing that we've been talking about on the program, the past two Sundays, uh, uh, Brother Mallory up there, Courtney Mallory up there and. Colorado on his uh ranch uh, finally hit the news and I'm talking about the uh, uh the uh not the audio the uh you know the the video portion of the news right. they did a new right. news report on uh what was going on up there because he was arrested on Monday um all the abuse and and uh in the racial attacks he's been receiving from whites up there. He was arrested on Monday, but all of a sudden they showed the urban not the urban league. I'm sorry. The NAACP and, um, uh, the Martin Luther King organization. I forgot the name. There's some type of Martin Luther King organization was up there and making statements in his behalf. And I think the report said that they, the, uh, NAACP put up his bail Uh, It's a lot of questionable things uh, going on around that that I'm kind of privy to. And hopefully we can get uh, Mr. Mallory on here. Um, We got some of uh, past guests that was on the program that are kind of up there with him right now, uh, with his family anyway. And um, hopefully we can get a little more clarity on what's been going on. Because as was reported on this program, and that was in a published report that when he went to Denver to try to seek assistance from the NAACP, they didn't want to get involved. But now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they're involved. So uh, let's see where this is headed. I mean, uh, you can see that they want to try to get out in front of an issue to claim that they were always involved in it. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, hopefully we can get a little more clarity and and, and, uh, uh, get Mr. Mallory on here. Um, he was scheduled with us a couple of weeks ago, but things have been happening rapidly up there and I can understand that, uh, you know, the man is under assault, under attack and, and cattle being killed, fences being leveled and, and, uh, and goats and, it, uh, you know, being some of his livestock being abused. It's his, uh, you know, and he's threatened, his life is threatened. He feels though his life is threatened and his wife. Uh, she was in the published. Uh, she was in the uh, the video report that I saw in the news also, uh, talking about what's going on up there. I think <laughs> they they did acknowledge that uh, it's been over 170 something reports to the sheriff up there about what's going on. Mm. Uh, so you know if you're reporting to authorities over 170 different incidents and nothing has happened and then you get arrested. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's the that's the point there. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get you get arrested yeah, so we'll, we'll uh hopefully we can get a little more clarity on uh exactly what's going on and uh uh kind of have the listening audience here for themselves uh, uh exactly what's happening
4: yeah it's, it's something Elliot it is something um you know what's going you know just you know what this moment asks is continuously asking us to look at and, and continuously asking us to, um, you know, evaluate, um, especially as we're, you know, centered in, um, February, you know, being black history month. So I I hope, um, for the time for Awakening audience that they are, um, pursuing what, um, you know, um, Dr. Woodson wanted us to pursue and at least trying to, um, center ourselves not just in our history and and bringing that forward, but recognizing um, in this moment that we are history makers and um, that will be looked at um, by the future. Um, So um, our actions, you know, in the case of of the brother in Colorado, um, what we do or don't do or what others do or don't do is going to be recorded in history and we're going to be evaluated. Um, based off of that. So it's important for us to be um aware, informed and, and be able to take appropriate action um out of, out of that. Uh, Richard, uh,
1: earlier this week uh it was a published report in the grill um about this uh about Black History Months theme. The association of uh Negro Life, what was the name of the um, Association Negro of ne- Life. Negro Life? What was the name of the organization that called it? You wrote it,
4: Richard? Association for the Study of Negro Life's Life
1: and History. Yeah. Uh, Where well, they put yeah. out a, a theme um, mm-hmm. about the uh, Black resistance. And as you mentioned, uh, they didn't really put out a theme, they kind of put out feelers to see how the black public felt about resistance. Mm. Uh, am, am, am I right in assess- that assessment, Richard?
4: Yes. Yes. And how we, how we place that in historical context and how we, like you said, how we look at it in the now. Now I was, um,
1: looking at this article that Donna Brazil put in the griot and, um, just to kind of look at it and just, uh, you know, just little little thoughts on on what she wrote. Um and just to kind of critically look at how she sees resistance. And let me just read some excerpts from what she wrote, Richard. And uh this is in the grill. The header is Black History Month's theme this year is Black Resistance. Here's why it matters more than ever. Um and I'm gonna just read some excerpts. It. it says, uh, "Understanding the need for resistance is how to resist effectively, and how to resist effectively." I'm sorry. Let me let me read that again. This year's theme of Black History Month, now in progress, is Black Resistance. Not just resistance in years past, but resistance today and tomorrow. Understanding the need for resistance and how to resist effectively requires knowledge of Black history. And it's integral role in American history. Now, I do agree with that initial statement, Richard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not necessarily the last part about the integral in American history. But when she said that this year's theme of black history now in progress is black resistance. Not just resistance in years past, but resistance today and tomorrow understanding the need for resistance and how to resist effectively requires knowledge of black history. I agree hundred percent with that statement. Mm-hmm. Yep. And not, not only our history and I'm not talking about just history in the United States. Our people just didn't pop on the scene when our ancestors was forced over here and enslaved. You have to get a full picture of our history and culture. That, that that's that that's almost like uh 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 air and human body they go together as far as I'm concerned, but you have to have a a history also of the enslavers mm-hmm. that that's my opinion right because, right because you have to devise strategies on how to effectively let's just like she says here how to effectively resist If you don't understand your enemy, you don't know how to effectively resist. You just succumb. Mm. Now, now, let me go a little further on some of her things here. Because, um, she starts kind of insinuating. And and I'll read a couple of lines here. Um, even today, right-wing extremists are continuing the century-old uh, revisions that have painted a false picture of horrific white racism, while suppressing, the uh, and distorting black history, uh, minimizing black suffering, downplaying black achievements, and portraying black Americans as over in an overly negative light. And she goes on to mention Desantis and other Republicans. When she's saying right wing extremists have continued century old uh, 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 falsehoods about black history, see, it's not, that's a false perception in itself. It's not Mm -hmm. right wing extremists. It's this government, period. I don't care whether they're Democrats or Republicans. This stuff has been perpetrated by Europeans in government since this nation was started or even before it became a nation. So it's not just white right-wing extremists. They might be the ones that's really vocal now, but their brothers on the other side of the aisle feel generally the same way. They might not express it as you hear some of the others express it. The Trumps, the, uh, uh, the that woman in Georgia, I forgot her name. It escapes me right now. Uh, some of the more just some of the more vocal ones that you hear, but some of their other brethren don't feel much differently than them. They just might not express it in the same fashion. Right. But uh, I'm just saying how she'll take that initial premise that she gave and just, and, and start trying to spin it towards some type of uh political, it, it's the politics of it that has caused these situations. Now, after she kind of spends time talking about DeSantis and what he did with the AP courses, then she kind of gets down to some definitions here. Now, let me read this, Richard, and get your opinion. And uh, the callers can call up and voice theirs because uh, this black resistance, you see a lot of people talking about this. Donna Brazile is is one that's of a certain class of blacks, and she's involved in politics. And after uh, 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 she lost her position in the Democratic Party, uh, she went over to Fox News and was uh, she was playing both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. You know, now she's back on th- this side of the fence when you talk about Democrats. So she's kind of a political analyst for hire, so to speak. Hey,
4: entrepreneur.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Political entrepreneur. But let me read what she states here. She says what exactly is black resistance that's a question it says black resistance means working to eradicate the system the systematic racism that has affected america's uh, excuse me let me let me go over that again with our initial question what exactly is black resistance Black resistance means working to eradicate the systematic racism that has infected America since enslaved Africans were brought here some 400 years ago. It means working to open the door to the American dream wider. So more blacks can at last achieve equality, equity and inclusion. Injustice long denied us. It means leaving no one behind so we can all thrive in a multiracial society. Now, Richard, let's look at that. Mm. Is that what black resistance means to the majority of our people? Should it mean just this? Look at Mm. what she's stating here. She said Mm. black resistance means to eradicate the systematic racism that has infected America since enslaved Africans were brought here some 400 years ago. Now, mm-hmm. wait a minute, Richard, she's describing the workings of this government as some type of virus that has infected Like it's a separate entity. Like it has infected. Like it, it, it has caused harm to our people. And has infected white society. Do you see mm-hmm. how she's describing this, Richard?
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's not mm-hmm. describing
1: it like people have put this system in place. And it wasn't people that look like us. Now, people, now, it, if we look at it from 2023 and maybe some decades prior to this, you see that people that look like us have gotten involved in this and become mm-hmm. partners almost but this system wasn't put in place by people that look like us. Don't keep describing this system as some type of separate monster that needs to be defeated. Mm. I mean, that's, that's what I get. How are you seeing how she describing this
4: Richard? Well, I mean, that definitely, as you say, you know, as, as we have some that our resistance um, has always been more about, um, making this right, than making us whole. I don't know if that makes sense. That those are two different things. Exactly, I, I totally agree. You know, and and that's where a lot of the confusion goes. Um, when we look over how we have defined re- um black resistance, and how the others have defined, you had said. We, we not only need, we need to also look at the, I'm going to call it the opposition. Some call it white supremacy, white hegemony, how they define how we should resist and therefore the outcome compared to how we define how we should exist and the outcome. And the outcome is primarily about us. Yes, others will be affected, but it's primarily about us because of the, how we are in this system. If that makes sense.
1: Uh, Yes. I I agree that it's really about how we're going to deal with this as a people, right? Because other people have this system that she's talking about has been created by people that don't look like us. Right. And that their children are still here. You know the, uh, you know the right wing extremists, the systematic racism that has infected this country. You know they're describing these things like they're separate entities. These are people is doing this, and the same mm-hmm. people that started this 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 country that we're living in. So you can't separate the actions of a people
4: from a people. You just can't. And the government and how the government is designed as it relates to us. Yes, I mean if if and and, and I, I'm not you know the the part where she said to create this multi um, multi what's that multi no
1: multi racial it's, it's a strive well, to creating
4: yeah. multi racial society
1: that's black resistance is yeah. striving to create a multi racial
4: society. Now, that might become an outcome, exactly. but that, that isn't necessarily the intention. The intention is to be able to, to, to eradicate the harm that the system and the people who manage the system and the people who benefit from the system who are considered white, that um, affects, you know, and you put an effect on us as a people, who were brought into this. We weren't brought into the design. We weren't brought in to help, to be a part, partners in managing. And we weren't brought in to be, you know, we weren't brought in with the uh, uh, understanding that there was going to be some kumbaya between those ethnic groups who are classified as white in relationship to us. We weren't brought in, or we didn't come in, and we weren't brought in um, with those looking at from that perspective of our our state of being as a people and as a a group, and i think I think we can validate that, as she said um when we uh, you know by the requirement of the knowledge of our own black history, and I would just point people to um henry Highland's Garnett's address in eighteen forty three in New York, in Buffalo, New York, um, the part that he said that we had to do,
1: but uh, I'll let well, you. No, know. no. Well, I'll tell you what. Before I finish up, what she's saying here, go, go, uh, go, put that on, put that on the table while you're discussing. it, While it's fresh on your mind.
4: Well, you know, and, and I'm and I'm looking at the address itself, right? And if I can do um, two parts of um, Garnett's. Of the address, when he opens, and when he closes, you know, and when he says, "Brothers and fellow citizens, your brethren of the North, East, and West have been accustomed to meet together in national conventions, which you not—it wasn't a national convention, the Republican or the Democrat of our convention, right? That was the the Colored Convention of 1843. That was going on." to sympathize with each other, and to weep over your unhappy condition. Your unhappy condition. In these meetings, we have addressed all classes of the free, but we have never until this time sent the word of consolation and advice to you. We have been content in sitting still and mourning. Who is he talking to? <laughs> over your sor- sorrows earnestly hoping before this day your sacred liberty would have been restored. But we have hoped in vain. Years have rolled on and tens of thousands have been born on streams of blood and tears to the shores of eternity. While you have been oppressed, we have been partakers with you, nor can we be free while you are enslaved? Who is he talking to? He got to be talking to the enslaved. Yes, his brothers. Yes, in New York. He's in New York. They're assembling, and he's saying, "We're not only talking about the challenges that we have being so called free, but we need to talk about those who are enslaved, who bloods and tears uh, are 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 soaked in this soil." While you have have been oppressed, we uh, we have also been partakers with you, nor can we be free while you are enslaved. We therefore write to you as being bound with you. Uh, That don't sound like no multi. What is what is that? Multiracial society. I mean, I mean, And she says requires knowledge of our black history to understand the needs today and tomorrow requires knowledge of our black history. Mm -hmm. Right. And to this, to this opening, this is his opening. Many of you are bound to us, not only by the ties of common humanity, but we are connected by the more tender relations of parents Wives, husbands, children, brothers, and sisters and friends. And as such, we must affectionately address you. And what, what, is, it, what is he saying when he, he's saying we must address you in the closing? This is 18, now, this is 1843, right? When we're talking about resistance, right? He says, it is in your power so to tor- torment the God-cursed slaveholders, that they will be glad to let you go free. If the scales were turned and black men were the masters and white men the slaves, every destructive agent and element would be employed to lay the oppressor low. Danger and death would hang over their heads day and night. Yes, the tyrants would meet with plagues more than turb trouble than those of Pharaoh but you are patient you are a patient people that's he's saying obviously we ain't like that Mm -hmm. even though we're enslaved we ain't like that now these folks you know the blood they were born with the streams of blood and tears right but we are a patient people now this is resistance right You act as though you were made for the special use of these devils. You act as though your daughters were born to pamper the lust of your masters and overseers. And worse than all, you tamely submit while your lords tear your wives from your embraces and defy them from your eyes. Now, he's on one hand, he's saying, you know, this is patience. But he's saying like this kind of patience, you know, you know, and, and you know, this is black people, black ministers using that 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 pathetic what's that you know, voice to make a point and defile them before your eyes. In the name of God, we ask, are you men? He's talking he, who is he talking to? <laughs> now he ain't talking to his brothers in the north. He's talking to the brothers in the south when we're talking about resistance. Where is the blood of your fathers? Has it all run out of your veins? Awake, awake. Millions of voices are calling you. Your dead fathers speak to you from their graves. Heaven, as with a voice of thunder, calls on you to arise from the dust. Let your motto be resistance, resistance, resistance no oppressed people have ever secured their liberty without resistance. What kind of resistance you have better make. You must decide by the circumstances that surround you. And according to the situation, the suggestion of expediency brother alluded trust in the living God labor for the peace of the human race. And remember that you are three million. Now, when we center ourselves in our own history in the context of resistance and navigating the barriers, this is one voice. Do we deny that? Should we deny it, well, no, you that, That's my whole point of
1: reading this, Richard. You can't deny what the ancestors had been saying. Now you just spoke about what Garnett said in a black convention. But you had other blacks that didn't want to advocate what he's saying. You're aware of that. Right. Douglas was one of them at one time. Right. But then when he started, because he had his faith to a certain degree in the quote unquote white allies. Am I right? Right. 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 But when he's seen where some of those white allies including uh, uh, that uh, the other guy that was in the, involved in the paper his, his name just flew out of my head.
4: Rushworm or, um, Oh, Oh, Garnett. I mean, um, Garrison, Garrison,
1: when he seen where they wasn't necessarily on the same page as he was, then he started kind of breaking from them. And in fact, they mm-hmm. wanted him broke from them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you see that these men, how they define resistance, And you hear her explanation of resistance. But she said in the beginning that we got to be aware of black history. You can't, come on, you, you, you got to take our history in totality and discuss these things. That's what, that's what the issue, I keep saying that, Richard, and that might be my opinion. That's where the issue and the rubber gonna meet the road because black people gonna have to talk about these things among one another to see exactly where our people are lying. And when I say lying, I'm talking about where they stand. It doesn't matter to me how white people view it or where they stand. We have to understand where our people stand on these issues and make it clear, make it plain, not give people a perception that they're on their side but they're really saying something different. Now, I'm glad that you threw that in there, Richard, uh, what Garnett was saying and clearly defining now, clearly defining his definition of resistance. Now, now let me, I want to go back to what she's saying here in reference to resistance, because, um, and, in fact, I'll go, just for the sake of our listeners, I'll go back to what she's saying here in, res- in reference to resistance. What exactly is black resistance? Black resistance means working to eradicate the systematic racism that has infected America since enslaved Africans were born here 400 years ago. It means working to open the door to the American dream. So, black people can at last achieve equality, equity, and inclusion, and justice long denied. It means leaving no one behind so we can all thrive in a multiracial society. Black resistance is a call for wiping out big disparities in income, family wealth, unemployment rate, education, home ownership, health disparities. Career advancement and other areas dividing black Americans from one another. From others, I'm sorry. It's a call for ending discrimination that has made far too many black Americans the victims of police brutality and killings that led to mass incarceration of black men. Black resistance also means demanding voting rights and participating in the political system and government as volunteers, staffers, candidates, elected officials. When we are denied our voting rights or fail to vote, many politicians ignore our needs. The ballot is our most powerful tool to change America for the better. No, Richard, I mean, uh, I, I know you're following along. I didn't, you know, I don't see how black resistance has anything to do with changing America necessarily for the better. Maybe you can, maybe I'm wrong off base. Maybe you can help me with that.
4: It's it's important to keep um, plucking this one string because it seems like we have to, and it was a strategy. Like we're trying to convince them, we're trying to get them. But black resistance for us was that we need what we needed to do because they had, and and you made a critical point, Elliot. They have a understanding of what resistance for us should mean, which is different. I mean, we looked at Garnett what he was saying what you should do to demonstrate resistance, right? But when you look at even the Emancipation Proclamation, it it, it wasn't demonstrating the type of resistance that that Garnett was, 43 and then 65, 18, 1863. You know, if I just may share that in order to bring up the point that she's making that to me is not centered in our own as she say and being redundant in our own historical knowledge when when they did that emancipation and L- lincoln said and here and i hereby enjoin upon the people to declare to be free to abstain from all violence you wouldn't know that automatically starts off different than what Garnett was saying, <laughs> unless in necessary self-defense. And I recommend that and recommend to them that now this is 1863, January. And I recommend to them that in all cases, when allowed they labor faithfully for reasonable wages, but who's going to who gonna pay them ra- reasonable raise wages. Who does the? Who does the? Who 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 are you working for? If black in, in this moment, this sixty three, all black folks in those states that he and he names the states are under are human under human bondage. Yeah, they were so, they were enslaved societies. Right. So they they who they who they gonna get paid by? And I therefore declare and make known that such persons of suitable condition, we get to determine, will be received into armed services. You, you, go, you now, we, we define that you're gonna, we're going to put you in to protect who? Um, I think Garnett was saying, he didn't, wasn't saying go and join their army. He was saying you are three million Basically, you got to, you have to make the, you don't have to wait to be brought into an army, right? And I recommend them in all cases when allowed, they labor, well, okay. And I further declare and make them such suitable condition will be received into the armed forces of the United States to garrison for, to protect. That's going to make a multi-national, multiracial society when we're protecting their forts when we're protecting their position stations, companies, corporations, businesses, and they, uh, uh, you know, and other places to make vessels of all sorts in said service. Well we're just talking about the brother in Colorado. You know, and that he went to the law enforcement to get protection, did he get protection? <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. Now this is this is this is in the the proclamation that they're saying and laying out. When you say we have to look at it, you know their history because we didn't write this. We wasn't you know this declaration and, and Lincoln going through. It wasn't black folks in the Congress and Senate. Negotiating what should be said, considering what they may lose. in closing and upon this act sincerely believe to be an act of justice. So we protecting that we protecting their, what do you say? Their garrisons, their position stations, their places is a uh, 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 act of justice. Is that what she's saying we should do? Is that the resistance? Is that the same resistance that we should have? Warned by the Constitution upon military necessity. It sounds like the beginning of a colony, you know, the colonization process. I invoke the considered judgment of mankind and the gracious favor of almighty God. And they're doing it in the name of God. I'm just uh, reinforcing your point, Elliot, that that statement, which becomes law as it relates to us and resistance, he's given us how we should resist. Garnett is giving us how we should resist. Mm -hmm. Which one should we be listening to? And which one is Donna Brazile accentuating in what she's saying?
1: Well, maybe she'll give you her answer. In this next paragraph, Richard, because she's saying in her estimation, in these first couple of (laughs) paragraphs that I read, what she considers black resistance. And you heard me what she defined it as. Now, look what she said that, that it's not. Black resistance is not a call for directing hatred at people of other races the abolition of slavery and many advances of the civil rights era were achieved in partnership with allies from other races who are strongly committed in some cases, uh, seeking justice for black Americans. Wait a minute, Richard, hold it. (laughs) Black resistance is not a call for directing hatred at people of other races. Uh, Wait a minute. Why would you even bring that up? Mm -hmm. So you're saying that Garnett and others were talking about hating other people or just talking about rallying black folks to do what they needed to do. Mm -hmm. What does that have to do with hatred? When we discuss these things on this program and point out the inequity, inequities of this society that have been perpetrated on our people by Europeans with the help of other blacks. Who, I mean, is that saying that you hate whites or are you pointing out what they have done to not only our people here, but listen, before our people were brought to these shores in mass and enslaved They abused the Native Americans that was here and committed genocide. So when you point that, I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. They did the same thing in Mexico. You had Aztecs and all that. Some of them people was completely wiped out. Right. The inhabitants, the native inhabitants of all of those Caribbean islands almost completely eradicated Some native populations of South America almost completely eradicated. All you got to do is look at history. It says it clearly. That's not a made-up history. Those are historical facts. So, I mean, if you voice those things, you're advocating hating Europeans. According to Donna Brazil, you shouldn't be speaking these things. Their black resistance is not about directing hatred. To other races now she's saying other races but you know who she's talking about mm-hmm. because during that period of our ancestors being abused in the 400 years other races wasn't necessarily here I mean the Native Americans was disenfranchised at that time you had Europeans that were here it was different nations of Europeans but they were all one people right? Now she said, "Here, black resistance is not a call for directing hatred to other people. Uh, that uh, the, abol- the abolition of slavery and many advances of civil rights there were achieved with partnership with allies from other races who were strongly committed. Here again, other races who were strongly committed. She's talking about whites, but uh, I mean, you you afraid to say that? Why are you talking about other races?" And and Elliot, why why are you being disingenuous? (laughs) Come on, you're supposed to be talking. This isn't a black publication, and you're supposed to be talking to black people. Why don't you keep it
4: real? Who are you talking about? Go ahead, Richard. And why why are you talking about them at all? Exactly. And centering centering this in Black History Month, and centering, as she said, you know, the knowledge of our own history and to understand you know, today and tomorrow, what that statement doesn't even fall. Because if we go, and, and, and I'm, I'm using this timeline, remember, Elliot, in, you know, now the emancipation was 1863, and they, and then he said, well, you know, just um, don't don't defend yourself. But in 1843, uh, Henry Highland Garnett said, well, this is what you have to do. But in 1865, when Sherman was talking to the black leaders and asked the question, state in what manner would you rather live, whether scattered among the whites or in colonies by yourselves, what did they say? What did, what did the voice say? I would prefer to live by ourselves, for there is prejudice against us. Now, we have prejudice against others. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that's historical
1: fact, Richard. Those are historical facts that our people wanted to live by themselves. They wanted land by themselves. And plus, they didn't want them to get. They said that they would pay them back. Mm. You remember when they said that? Yeah.
4: They yeah. said, once we start producing, we'll pay you back. And, and say, and, and in that... In that and saying, you know, prejudice is, is against us in the South that will take care, will take years to get over. But I do not know that I can answer for my brother. And you know, it was only one voice, a young person, and who was all the rest of them was in concurrence with the elder. Mm-hmm. Now if we place it in historical context, is the context that Brazil is raising like the default of the person who was in opposition of the others when they were saying, well, no, we don't, you know, matter of fact, we ain't even going to, if given the chance, we ain't even going to do what Garnett said. We're going to continue to be patient. And you said... That's, I mean, this is what Lincoln said: that you would use your uh, protect, you would use your tr- to protect what we're trying to do. We know what when we when you say Elliot about we have to look at the full history. You know what that meant. You seen what happened with that, but what they said they were just let us we prefer, not because we prejudice. How did how did the, how did the script flip? How did the script flip to where, in the twenty first, twenty second century, it is like we, we are, are the ones that are prejudiced against others. Yeah, exactly, we are doing harm to others. How how does this script flip? That. A political entrepreneur utilizing, and this is the important thing for me, utilizing, because if anybody reads um Carter Woodson's Miseducation and the Negro, he speaks about these Negroes. That's 1931, 1933. Du Bois speaks about these Negroes. That's 19, that's 1935. And we hear in 2023, the script split talking in Black History Month like we got to be under some restraint of ourselves in relationship to others or because if we don't, then this multiracial uh, uh, nation won't come into being. We are the aggressors there? Where does history say that?
1: Well, Richard, according to Donna Brazil, it must say it. This is what she wrote. This is the message that she, and it's it's in a black publication, so I guess the editors agreed to it too. I mean, come on, it did, come on. But she not only says that Black History is not a call for directing hatred at other people of other races because we had white partners that helped us, and I'm I'm kind of uh, paraphrasing what she said here, the statement that she made. But she also says, nor is Black History, uh, excuse me. Nor is black resistance a call for violence. Mm. Violence as a way of achieving racial justice is both impractical and immoral. Mm. So she says black resistance is not hating uh, people of other races, meaning white folks, nor is it violence. Now, even during the period of the civil rights era or the black power era, None of those men were, were calling for violence. They nope. wanted to protect our communities. They didn't want our communities abused. But they wouldn't call them for no violence against Europeans. Well, maybe I'm wrong, Richard. Nope. They were calling nope. on our people to protect themselves because it was their right according to this man's laws. So when you seen the Panthers brandishing guns and walking on uh, on, on streets of California or to the Capitol, according to the law, it was their right Mm -hmm. to show that they weren't going to be abused anymore on these city streets by the the, uh, the modern-day slave catchers. But according to what she's saying here, that's not black resistance. Black resistance is just struggling to achieve a uh, 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 racial harmony mm-hmm. and struggling to achieve equity. Something that Dr. King says 11 months before he was killed, that whites is not really interested in that. According to the little clip to that I, uh, play, you know, according to what he said. He said they're interested in an installment plan, Mm -hmm. and they're only interested in going so far. That's what he said. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at even since he was murdered to now, evidently what he said was exactly right. He was almost like a prophet. Mm -hmm. He was exactly right. Nothing has changed, really. If you look at our struggle since he was murdered to now, you, I ain't talking about no couple of percentage points. Nothing has changed.
4: And, and, Ellen. You know, Ellen, the dichotomy of this, you know, is as you say, nothing has changed, and this, and this, and how things are. You know, this is why you know in this moment of of the resistance to critical race theory, right? um in this in this in this in this in this moment where you know where uh you can go to buffalo uh where um or you can go to uh, mississippi you know or or you can go to colorado or you can go where the to um water um uh, water you know water is bad in um michigan um uh, the onslaught but then you can have this this jumbling because, and I want to. I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm 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 taking what you're saying, you know, and I'm looking at like we have to look at both histories, right? We have we have to look at it holistic. What we were saying historically that we should be looking at, and what they were saying, and they put it in law, like the 13th Amendment. Neither. Slavery nor voluntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime where the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States. Aren't we still talking about mass incarceration? Aren't we still talking about the carceral state? Aren't we still talking about how they, they are created the structure where they can be able to say and they don't say white children by the third or fourth grade we can see where they'll land now if it's propaganda it's propaganda but we also are mimicking that they say that they can tell because of the condition we're in even though they're created the law that's supposed to have freed not the kind of freedom that Henry Highland Garnett, not the kind of freedom that uh, uh, Minister Granger was talking about in Georgia, but the kind of freedom that they're talking about was saying neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as punishment of a crime. So that means slavery still exists. (laughs) And there's no other people that I know of that has been classified in this country that has been classified as slaves, but those of African descent, I, I am I, uh, am I missing something, Ellie? No, no other people. I don't care how, how uh, noble or barbaric <clears throat> those other people have been. None of them as a population came here under the category of a slave or enslaved person. I, I, maybe I'm missing something, Ellie.
1: <laughs> well, listen. Um, well, I don't think you're missing it, but to to put a cap on what you stated, Richard, let me read uh, this last paragraph because she kind of encapsulate, encapsulates how she feels in reference to Black History Month. She says here that Black History Month, which uh, she spoke a truth, grew out of Negro History Week, which was launched in 1926 by Carter G. Woodson. But she says here in this last paragraph, telling the truth about black history should not be a partisan issue. All Americans should embrace the view of President Ronald Reagan, <clears throat> a Republican long revered by many in his party who said in his proclamation designating Black History Month in 1986, and I quote, the foremost purpose of Black History Month is to make all Americans aware of the struggle for freedom and equality and opportunity. It's also a time to celebrate achievements of blacks. Uh, it not only offers black Americans an occasion to explore their heritage, but also offers all Americans an occasion and opportunity to gain fuller perspective of the contributions of black Americans to our nation. The American experience and character can never be fully grasped until the knowledge of black history assumes its rightful place in our schools. I mean, that's her encapsulation of black history month. Something that Reagan stated, Mm. uh, uh, something that Reagan stated as a political statement. That the foremost purpose of black history month is to make all Americans aware of the struggle for freedom and equality and opportunity. I don't think, in fact, I know that that wasn't Carter G. Woodson's uh, Mm -hmm. purpose for even starting that. Right. He states it clearly in his writings. So why would you quote Reagan when you're dealing with this? But that just shows you the mentality of the people that we're dealing with, Richard. And that's, that's what has to be on the table what some of our people believe some of our people believe that assimilation is best for our people. They do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that we should hate them, but it should be stated clearly, not talk around it, not mask it in some type of uh black resistance. Just state clearly how you feel. Because at this point now, our people need clear direction on what they're going to do as a people. Listen, when we when people were escaping off those plantations, some of our ancestors, Richard. You had people that were on the plantation with them, family members, Mm -hmm. loved ones that thought they were wrong in what they were doing. Do you agree, Richard? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That didn't necessarily want to escape with them. They said, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'll lose my life. See you. Goodbye. But they didn't try. Now, some of them did, believe me, and they were well-known among other brothers and sisters on the plantation. Mm -hmm. Some of them went and told white masters, so-called masters, what their brothers planned to do. But others that didn't necessarily want to do it with them, they might have provided some Sustenance for them when they when they you know was running through those woods. Pack some clothes for them. Prayed for them, wished them Godspeed, and seen them on their way. The brothers and sisters didn't necessarily hate them because they didn't want to come along. Harriet Tubman didn't hate her husband. He he stayed, didn't he stay? Yeah. She didn't hate him. In fact. She went back for him, according to historical accounts, after Mm -hmm. she escaped. So she didn't hate him. And I'm not necessarily advocating hating none of these people unless they they purposely work against their own people. And there's plenty of them out there like that now. Mm. But some of our people really believe that assimilation is best. Then we need to set up forums where these things can be clearly stated. If you remember Richard after 72 convention they tried to set up these type of forms where you mm-hmm. seen blacks in that, in that uh, I guess you would call them middle class or, or you know that, that certain class of blacks were sitting there with average blacks debating these issues you have seen some of the forms Richard you talked mm-hmm. about some of them mm-hmm. but if you notice Richard the the uh they were immediately quashed by quote-unquote allies and and blacks that were involved. Mm. They wasn't quashed by quote-unquote a, a conservative right-wing. They didn't care what you were doing. Mm. But the ones that were supposed to be the allies of black people smashed those things. Am I? I maybe I'm wrong. Am I right, no. Richard? No, you're
8: right. You're right.
1: Because, you know what? because in their mind, that's not the right way to approach these things. And some of the blacks that were, in, quote, unquote, in positions of power agreed with them mm. or accepted their analysis. Put it that way.
4: You know, you know Elliot, it, it's, you know, when you said accepted their analysis, you know, and we gave two virgins, we gave two virgins that centered in what black and I'm using a particular time period. When we were we were starting out, right, And in this what Donna Brazil raises, I think centers in this what you know what you're speaking of of those people and who set that tone. And for me, if I may, I just want to add or add, end with um Galveston's, Texas. You know, now in December the Thirteenth Amendment came out and you see what that said about except you can go back to slavery if you make if we make you a criminal. And we know it, even after the during that black what they call the Reconstruction period, they started to make black people. Slavery was off the books, but they started making black people en masse, especially in the South and always, you know, criminals. So putting you back in slavery, right? But when you look at this general order number three, I think, and she brings up, brings up Reagan, how we should view history from the perspective that Reagan says. (laughs) If you look at general order number three, it says the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free this involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between master and slave and the connection there, uh, their existing between them because, uh, becomes that becomes that between employer and hired labor. Now, didn't he say that in 63? Mm-hmm. Didn't he, didn't, uh, and now in 65, 1865, and then and here she's saying in 2023 that we bringing up Reagan, that we should maintain the relationship as between labor and employer. Well, one thing about the employer, they don't need in this case, because you're free, we don't have, we don't have to pay for you. Once we say, well, we ain't hiring you. Then what? And and
1: that's what happened after that. <laughs> that's what happened after that.
4: I mean, you you see how this, you know, and 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 what you're you're saying. There's there's people who are using these vehicles. You of oh, Black History Month, Carter Woodson. You know, black publications. You know, uh, uh, going and. Dealing with the uh return, you know, what's that the, the moment of return? They're using that to tell us that in general, no, not everybody, because an entrepreneur is a self-proclaimed business person, but who are they selling their services to? Who is paying them? They still, they still a laborer. Who's the employer? If black people were hiring these kind of advisors, political advisors, these political entrepreneurs, shouldn't we be getting more uh, benefit? (laughs) Can the majority of us say that we're getting that benefit? Not when we're talking about, well, by 2050, we'll be at zero wealth. This is why we're trying to petition the government for uh, redress and reparations, but ending Garnett and Granger, they're saying we, our resistance is in, is centered in us. And I, I think this, the brother in, in, in Georgia, you know, made it where we're, you know, to, we prefer to live by ourselves. That ain't saying we're hating anybody, but we prefer to build and advance. And does America benefit from that? Damn right. So why do they prevent it? As you said, did, did did the Panthers want, were they talking about going, creating an offensive against a white society, white people, or other ethnic groups? They were saying we need to defend our community. Did the deacons of defense say that we were going, they were going after white people, you know, uh, white other ethnic groups, they were saying they wanted to defend their community, their people, who were being harmed. Something don't make sense here, Elliot. That's what I'm trying to say. Something don't make sense. And, and to the Time for Awakening audience, it's important for us to center our, our whole, when we're talking about Black History Month, we have to not look at Ronald Reagan or other ethnic groups or races or other multiracial society. We have to make lose our history, as she said, to which requires the knowledge in order to be able to look at how do we repair ourselves based off of what our ancestors said is best for us to do. Now, if others benefit from that, that's okay. But we can't be thinking about how we want to benefit them, which will benefit us. That don't even, well, I don't know. I'll stop. I'm, I'm sorry. It, I mean, that's
1: basically what she's saying in this article, Richie. And if, uh, you know, Tom Wigner, just pull it up, look at what her, her assessment of uh, Black History Month is in the grill. Black History Month's theme this year is Black Resistance. Here's why it matters more than ever. And she gives her assessment that uh, you know, and what she's talking about, and she never mentions white in it. She keeps always saying other races, but she's talking to a black audience. White folks ain't necessarily looking for the griot to read some of the <laughs> some of the people that's, that's writing in that. They're not. She's targeting that towards a black audience. She teaches at Howard University.
4: She's at Howard too?
1: Huh? She's at Howard too? Yeah, she's at Howard. So they're trying to cultivate. It's a mindset that they're, they're, they're trying to cultivate among black youth. And we can't be asleep at the wheel when we see some blacks that are emerging that believe in this type of foolishness because they're not looking at the whole picture of our struggle here in totality. They're just eliminating uh, some of our ancestors' point of view and assessment of what they were dealing with. The, uh, the, let let me play because, um, and I just want to play this clip, you know, Every year the urban League puts out that report I think they've been doing this since 1976 Richard mm-hmm. in a couple more years it'll be 50 years of them putting out their report about the state of black America and every year it's almost like a common like they're beating a drum now the people that's involved in that report are of a certain class of black folk but at least they use statistics to kind of give the real picture of what's going on. But every year it seems like it's the same thing. So who are they fighting against? They're fighting against this aberration, this aberration of systematic racism. The way Donna Brazil, Brazil described it. She said it is a, it's a disease that has affected our country. (laughs)
4: <laughs> like, Oh, something new. Like, like, I
1: just, Oh, it just happened. Yeah. But, I, but what I'm saying, Richard, she doesn't put it. Hey, this is not a disease that has affected. It's a system that had been put in place by a people, mm. but she don't want to say that. You, She's describing it like some type of third entity. It's the people. It's Americans. It's black Americans. It's other races, and then it's this systematic racism. That's how she's describing it, because she never says white people in this article. And I'll just use her terms. She says other races. She says black people in the article. And she says systematic racism that has affected, infected America. So you got people here, then this is this infection of systematic racism. That doesn't make any sense
4: like it's a robot yeah exactly and no, no, and no, no a, people there but 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 this this thing you know the self-driving car ain't nobody in behind the wheel yeah, okay well all right
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i just want to play this clip in relation to uh this year's theme which was uh, uh um, what was what was this year's theme of that uh um Uh, under siege this year's scene was under siege but let me let me play this here
4: urban the national urban league rather has released its state of black america and the report is grim
7: fox 26 is Lee keith joining us live with what houston leaders have to say about it
9: Yeah, the Urban Link says it's been providing the state of black America for 46 years so that it can show research and data and not opinions and emotions regarding opportunities for African Americans. According to this year's report, inequality is changing slowly. Take a look at this figure from the latest National Urban League State of Black America report, which says even in 2022, blacks are only getting 74 percent of the American pie, meaning, for instance, blacks have a higher rate of incarceration, lower access to health care, job opportunities and education.
2: In all areas of education we feel like behind our white counterparts, making sure that children have access to um, uh, pre-K and making sure that kids are reading at grade level by third grade.
9: President of the Houston Area Urban League, Judson Robinson, points out fair housing is also still a major issue. According to the report, black couples are twice as likely to be denied mortgage or home improvement loans.
2: If you're not a homeowner, you cannot build wealth. So the more people that you keep out of the wealth cycle, then the more likely you are to treat other cycles who are not good.
9: The Urban League says the wealth disparity has gotten wider since the civil rights days with the average black household income at less than $44,000 a year compared to just under 70000 for whites.
2: You all be treated uh, with the same degree of fairness to uh, reach the American dream. And when our policies don't reflect that, then our
4: democracy is understood. Our the
9: Urban League now. says systemic racism is so difficult to overcome because change is happening slowly, causing blacks to slip further behind. Now, the organization says it releases the report to present an accurate picture of what's occurring and so that solutions can be created. Reporting live, I'm Lee Keith, Fox 26 News.
1: Now, Richard, she said the same thing about the systematic racism is hard to overcome. Mm-hmm and that th- these small percentages of quote unquote gains really isn't doing anything to help black people in the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Now that was the, the audio. Let me read a couple of these things here, uh, uh from, uh, a report in six 2016, which was the 40 year anniversary of them doing these reports. Um, uh, and it talked about uh, blacks living in poverty. In 1976, when the re- report was first done, national average, 29% of blacks lived in poverty, b- below poverty level. And in and, and, and 2016, which was a 40 year anniversary, it says 27% now. Uh, 28% of blacks. Uh, was graduating high school in 1976. It said when the report was done in 2016, it was up to 30%. Mm. It says the only areas where African-Americans are doing the same or worse is home ownership. It says in 1976, 43% of blacks uh, owned a home. In 2016, it had dropped to 43%. owned in 76. It had dropped to 43% in 2016. And it talked about the people voting, black people voting. In 1976, it was 48.7%. In 2016, it had dropped to 39.7%. So, it was showing here, Richard, by the numbers, because that audio report says that they didn't want to A deal on the basis of what people perceived uh, Mm, they want to deal with facts. Yeah, they don't want to deal with perceptions and opinions. They just want to deal with raw numbers and facts. If it's showing here from the raw numbers that black people have been basically on a treadmill or spinning their wheels dealing with this quote unquote infectious system, that's why you have this disillusion or falling off of participating in voting mm. because according to their own statistics, the urban league, it said in 1976, 48.7% of blacks were voting. But in 2016, it had dropped to 39.7%. And believe me, it is not much different now because you hear a lot of the black groups, including urban league said that they're doing all types of campaigns to get more blacks to
4: vote. And then even in spite of that, you know, when you talk about that, the national election is because of black vote of the ones who vote who are allowing those candidates to be put in office. When we talk about the presidential candidate,
1: and 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 then you see, you know, most blacks after they have faith in a lot of these people, then they turn around and and see what happens. You know, I was reading the, uh, <laughs> you know, that Moynihan report that came out in 65, Richard. Right. Now Moynihan was, uh, he was some official in the Johnson cabinet. Right. But he went over later on and was working with Nixon. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, he, I, I, he was a Republican Democrat, Dixiecrat, whatever. He was a, an elected official appointed official. I'm sorry. And he wrote that Money Hand report uh, that led to the Kerner. Uh, that was before the Kerner uh, Commission put out their report. And he was analyzing the black family and their condition. Mm-hmm. But as you recall, Richard, he based a lot of things off of um, e. Franklin Frazier's work. Right. 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 Now he states in his report that a lot of the condition that black people were dealing with and see that's why, you know, some of our some of our people think that Europeans don't know what the system is. We gotta uh we gotta always kinda bring them up and, and educate them, make them aware. You hear you hear that, right, Richard? Mm-hmm. They need more awareness of uh, you know we got to school them on what's going on. They're not aware. They're fully aware. I, I just want to read uh, what he states here in this report. A couple of paragraphs because he states clearly that that he believes that slavery and the 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 remnants of slavery is a big part of what's causing the dysfunction in black families perpetrated by the government. Mm -hmm. He was given an honest assessment of his own, his own brothers. But let me read, let me read some of this, Richard. Um, Within the family, each new generation of young males learns the appropriate nurturing behavior and superimpose upon their biological maleness. They learn this uh, at the parental role. When the family breaks down, as it did under slavery, under certain forms of indentured labor and serfdom, in periods of extreme social unrest during wars, revolutions, famine, epidemics, or in periods of abrupt transition from one type of economy to another, this delicate line of transmission is broken. Men may flounder badly in these periods, during which the primary unit may again become mother and child. And the special conditions under which men were held this social transition and trust are violated and distorted. E. Franklin Frazier makes clear that at the same time of emancipation, Negro women were already accustomed to playing the dominant role in family and marriage relations, and that this role perished in decades of rural life that followed. This was, it was also this abrupt transition that produced the wild Irish slums of the early 19th century. Drunkenness, crime, corruption, uh, family disorganization, juvenile delinquency were the routine in that era. In our time, the same sudden transition has produced Negro slums of a different form but hardly better than his predecessor. And the fundamental results is the same. So Richard, listen, we talked about this before. When you look at the turn of the century, and I'm talking about the 20th century, early 1900s, and what was going on in these cities, poor whites, you seen some of them early shows that to show when you was a kid, Richard, like the Bowery boys and all that stuff. You remember all them shows, Richard? Yep. Oops. Yeah. You, you, yep. you remember yep. all those shows yep. that, that showed white life during that period. Now he's admitting that what caused that back then, he said the wild Irish slums of the Northeast, you heard him say this, Right. And he said, this is what's causing dysfunction in black families now when he wrote that report. So they knew exactly what was causing those conditions. And black people, and they seen what, what the things that came out from that, all of the gangsterism that was going on, Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, all those major cities was off the hook. Gunning down people in the streets, even in the rural areas, you had the Bonnie and Clydes and all. Every time you looked, they was robbing banks. It was a dysfunction Mm -hmm. there. They knew this and made them made them heroes, too. But when society fell apart and and that crash happened, uh, Roosevelt and some of his brothers on both sides of the aisle said, listen, we have to develop a system where all of our people and I'm talking about whites can achieve some monicum of success Mm -hmm. before that it was no white middle class. You had whites with money and then poor whites and some extremely poor whites. I'm not talking about our society because we started (laughs) almost like a separate society out of slavery that was attacked by whites.
7: Mm -hmm. when when
1: whites seen that we were having a monicum of success working among ourselves. I'm talking about whites at that time. You didn't have any white middle class. That only started, it started in the 30s when they put those programs in place, and then it started growing in the 40s and 50s. So they knew what caused all this stuff. They knew exactly the societal uh, 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 functions and ills that they put in place as a quote-unquote uh, systematic racism that has affected this country, they knew what t- is causing this. Now, he wrote that report in 65. Mm-hmm. And then the kerner Commission came out in 68. Mm-hmm. Now, if they were sincere about changing what they were doing, then how did crack crack devastated black families in the 80s? And then after crack, mass incarceration. So these are constant attacks on the black family. That's not a right-wing attack. That's not some type of a Republican attack. That's a governmental attack by Europeans of both parties. And as soon as our people realize that and come to the realization and the historical perspective of what they've been dealing with here, then we can devise strategies where we can work our way out of this and work together. It's plenty of strategies. Our ancestors have left for plenty of strategies. You was reading what Henry Highland Garnett said in 1843. It's plenty of strategies out here, but some of our people haven't been working together on it. And then it's other things, other factors involved to help us not work together.
4: And, and 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 those other things, Ellie, in my mind, I mean, and I know I, um, it's it's not based it's not based in just opinion, as you say, because what Donna Brazil and them are raising, and what the Urban League is observing, is a strategy that they they decided. This is a strategy when you mentioned about the seventy two committee. This is a strategy that they decided that they thought, um, and maybe still no, and still think. Will um, provide a benefit, right? I mean, it, it's it's I mean, and really, it is the strategy of that General Order Number Three, that you maintain a labor as labor, and they maintain as employer, and let's see, but you can't go nowhere, but you got rights.
1: But and they'll dictate the parameters of you getting anywhere. The, par- right. the parameters are still dictated by the employer, not the employee. Right. right.
4: That's important. I mean, that's 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 important. I mean, those numbers come out of that re- that simple relationship that started in 63, 1863 with the Emancipation Proclamation. But that's their str- thats not Garnett's strategy. That's not um, Elder Gr- Granger's strategy. When he spoke, that wasn't their strategy. Their strategy is if you just leave us alone, as you say, we'll work the land, you know, uh, with our own out of, and out of our production. And if we have to purchase it, we'll pay. Which they showed they could when they put the Freedmen Bank in place. They showed they could be able to work the land in a cooperative manner, you know, be able to educate themselves. This is ten years, and I say they because the strategy that brought on after thirty-five, after this period that you're talking about, that uh, that you know, referencing you know, what what Moynihan is you know dealing with in the thirties, and then even then, again. Carter Woodson wrote The Miseducation, and if you go through those chapters, chapter one, two, three, and four, he's speaking about what this class of people is not doing who are becoming educators, business people, you know, and how they are moving away from. 1935, the boys in a nation within an age, that's the strategy that we're saying which is the same strategy as Mr. Granger was saying, which is the same strategy that, that, that um, um, Henry Highland Garnett was saying, that is not the strategy of Lincoln. That is not the strategy of Reagan. But we hear it mouthed through the observation of the Urban League and the mouthing of Donna Brazil a different strategy, the strategy of if you, if we just be nice to other races and we maintain a labor employer relationship, which the only problem there is that the employers, and, and and as you said, she don't say that they're white, that they're just racist.
1: Yeah, she other <clears throat> races,
4: yeah. <laughs> but they're the employers. and it's the employers that create the number of 26 27% unemployment it's the employers that could i mean when we look at the public education system then when we were advocating and and and, and operating most of, a lot of them were white black teachers black women educating committing, you know Uh, um, their profession, their vocation to the upliftment of black children. But look at what the education system is now. And that's what they tell us, right? Who is the primary uh, laborer in the education system now? If I'm not mistaken, I mean, I don't know if this is, I mean, I know it's the factual numbers are there, but I don't have them in front of me. They say primarily white women. White women, exactly. And what's the outcome? What is the outcome? I mean, what you, say, what you said in 67, they say in now that by third grade, they can track. And look at the I mean, when you said the number of how many are graduating, when we look at ourselves, when we look, we say centered in our own black history, then and now. And that's just that period. And that's just that area, that geographical area, the South. We ain't even dealing with the North. That's somebody else's strategy. And we look at the outcome and we see that that strategy does not work for us. And our history, when we center in, not our history of trying to be able to prove to them, but when we center in our history, and what are we saying that we need to be able to do if we're going to look at today and tomorrow and use history of the past, what is it that we need to do? We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back,
1: uh, we're still open forum. Anybody want to give us a call, talk about any issues, bring up anything, you can do that. Uh, uh it's 943 and it's Friday edition of uh, of Time for an Awakening and you can reach the program by dial 215-490-9832 that's 215-490-9832 Time for an Awakening we'll be right back
5: Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding
10: area. Call today, 484 268 The Digital Plantation, ibbtome.com, ibbtome.tv, ibbtome.tv.com, ibbtome.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your Global commit to you Black Family to join your interconnected, commit to you black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. A new
2: era, a new phase of the struggle where we have moved from a struggle for decency, which characterized our struggle for ten or twelve years to a struggle for genuine equality and this is where we are getting the resistance because there was never any intention uh, to go this far. People were reacting to Bull Connor and to Jim Clark rather than acting in good faith for the realization of genuine equality. Do you think white people in this country, and I'm talking about non-segregation as people devoid thinking they're devoid of racism do you have any idea of what they want the Negro to be in America I think the vast majority of white Americans uh, will go but so far it's a kind of installment plan for equality and uh, they're always looking for an excuse uh, to go but so far
6: and know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep That. Whites are expert game players in their contests to maintain absolute power. One of the time-honored gimmicks is to point to individual blacks who have achieved recognition. But look at Ralph Bunch. Think about Lena Horne or Mary Anderson. Look at Jackie Robinson. They made it as one of those who has made it. I would like to be thought of as an inspiration to our young but I don't want them lied to. Name them for me. Examples of blacks who made it. For virtually everyone you name, I can give you a sordid piece of factual information on how they have been mistreated, humiliated. Not being able to fight back is a form of severe punishment.
2: I come here tonight and plead with you. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-asserted manhood his own emancipation proclamation. <laughs> Don't let anybody take your manhood. Time Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform.
1: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 9.50 on this uh, Friday edition of Time for Awakening Freestyle Friday. Uh, you can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. 32, uh, Richard, um, we got a call before I go to two, one, five, uh, it was a article on, uh, in black agenda report, Richard about the Memphis police chief, the, uh, the, uh, the the woman that's the, uh, uh, the sister, that's uh, the police chief there in Memphis, Cheryl Lynn Davis. Did you see that article, Richard? No, I I I think I seen it, but I didn't read it. Let me let me. I'm gonna read a couple of paragraphs from it. Um, it says the death of Tyree Nichols at the hands of Memphis police officers last month once again ignited outrage over the violent, militarized nature of U.S. law enforcement and placed scrutiny on police departments' bloated budgets. Among the objections. To policing that are being reviewed are criticisms of the controversial series of training and engage and, encha, and excuse me trainings and in exchange programs for U.S. police in Israel. Scores of American law enforcement leaders have attended the programs, where they learn from Israeli police and security forces known for systematic abuse of human rights. Of Palestinians. Some of the Memphis Police Department's top brass, including current Chief Sherilyn Davis, participated in the programs. Davis, who previously helmed the police department in Durham, North Carolina, completed a leadership training with Israel National Police in 2013. While an officer with the Atlanta Police Department, Davis also established an international exchange program with Israel police and coordinated department leaders and delegations to Israel, according to an old resume. Without a shadow of a doubt, uh, that what takes place during Israel-U.S. police exchanges does nothing to keep our communities safe but the exchanges refine and enhance militarization rooted in American policing with Israeli tactics and technology of occupation and apartheid that are being tested on Palestinians on a daily basis. By the time she became police chief in Durham, Davis seemed to have changed her tune about such programs. The apparent coolness on the police Israeli relationships came following pressure from local activists and a national campaign to end U.S.-Israeli police exchanges. In 2018, Durham became the first city in the U.S. to ban police trainings and exchanges involving Israel's military. At the time, Davis wrote in a memo that she had no intention to participate Or initiate an exchange with Israel, which prompted two Israeli volunteer police officers to sue her and the Durham Police Department for discrimination. A spokesman for the Memphis Police Department did not immediately respond to requests to explain the chief's change of position on the engaging or the exchanges with Israel. Davis wasn't the only top cop in Memphis to have participated in the exchanges with Israel. One of her predecessors, Larry Goodwin, also trained there as a part of Homeland Security's International Conference. Goodwin, who is known for having produced the Blue Crush uh, predictive policing technology to the city of Memphis, spoke about wanting to adopt some of the techniques he learned about in israel in memphis mm. as as the intercept previously reported the memphis police department has a long history of surveillance particularly of black activists so i just wanted to share that richard that uh and this goes to what we were talking about uh well wait a minute let me read uh one more i'll read another paragraph It says critics of the exchanges with Israel security forces point out the partnership allows a swap of some of the worst practices. It says during these training sessions in Israel, U.S. and Israel officials visit checkpoints, prisons, airports, sites of well-documented human rights abuses, uh, says, uh, and participants witness real-life examples of representative violence, watching the Israeli military repress protests and occupied West Bank, and joining Israeli police patrols in East Jerusalem and along with the militarized uh, fencing blockade of Gaza. Training, whether in Israel or at home, has done little to address the underlying problem of U.S. policing or to prevent violent police killings like that of Nichols. so uh richard we see that again the black agenda report is showing another side of these issues that our people need to know about you know when they see a lot of these chiefs and all they see a black face they don't know what has went on behind the scenes they don't know the training that these people have received Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then go into these cities and try to implement this stuff. They don't realize it. And then when they try to change their mind or speak out against it, what happens? Because they document here in this article that when she, after she learned these tactics, she implemented them in one job. She went to Atlanta and implemented training. You've seen that. But it says when she got to Durham and it was pressure from activists that found out what she had participated in. She tried to disassociate herself from it. And that's when it says a lawsuit was put in against uh, her and the city of Durham by two exchange officers that were uh, from Israel. So I just wanted to share that article. uh, Someone listening on this can read that and other articles on the Black Agenda Report. Uh, interesting article there, and there's a couple other articles that I put on the Time for Awakening site that was from here, from Black Agenda Report that's very interesting. Let's go to uh, uh, well, uh, two, uh, let, me, let me go to 215. 215?
5: 215? Good evening, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. How y'all brothers doing tonight?
1: Yes, sir. How you doing?
5: I'm doing fine. i praise be to Allah. Brother Elliot, I'm surprised. You mean to tell me when they sued that Sister, they didn't call her anti-Semitic. They didn't. Do that. I'm shocked, Ellie. I'm just really perplexed. Like Malcolm said, I'm bamboozled. I'm perplexed. They didn't call her anti-Semitic. Don't they usually call black people anti-Semitic?
1: yeah well I mean I didn't read it said that they were sued they <laughs> might have said it they might have uh, did that but uh, I didn't you know I didn't read that portion of it
5: well, You know, I mean, pardon me it's tongue in cheek but you know dad we're, we, I, we can almost figure out how they caught it You know, we might have not seen it Ellie. I'm almost sure they did I was being facetious of course you know but uh, we'll get into the heart of what you're saying to, you and brother Richard y'all brothers have a good conversation tonight too Richard you're making some good points brother Richard about these political entrepreneurs if you will but yeah you got a busy uh, schedule for you Sunday night. You got a lot to juggle, man. You go. I'm sure you'll probably be on Lord Willing. You'll be on you and Brother Richard Sunday night, and uh, of course you got the two black quarterbacks. So you get the Super Bowl as if you know you know with time for the waking so it's, it's going to be a busy night. And, I'm, and I know you, brother. Ellie, you better juggle everything, man. You just like a juggler. You better handle it and stuff like that. And keep it moving, as they say. But yeah, on this. Uh, when that sister yes a, a lot of, uh, and I've been, and I got family down in the Durham, North Carolina area, Elliot and, and, and stuff. And I've just been talking to sisters and brothers, some of my family members as well as, you know, friends of us, of like mine and they, and they, and Ellis and, and your brother, Richard would be surprised that a lot of people have not, I haven't heard one sister brother say anything positive about that sister, man. Everything happened to been negative. Matter of fact, I was talking to a brother today and he don't have no particular love for her, man. He, he blamed Tyrese Nichols to, primarily on her because of her you know, her past and stuff like that, dealing with Israel and all this kind of stuff, you know. So she don't she don't get in a lot of high marks from 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 nobody you know, usually have one person say, Well she get a sister a chance or she okay like they doing Philly with Daniel Outlaw. But I ever heard one sister or brother and since this whole thing broke with Tyree Nichols, brother Elliot and Brother Richard and, and the time from Wigan Listen or it, like I said I didn't talk to at least twenty something people that you know, from either the, uh, that area down, which was at then Durham, and like I said, Memphis, and places like Atlanta, and I've not heard one sister brother say anything positive about her man. I mean, he just says, I don't know." It don't look, it don't stop painting a pretty picture. If I can honestly say that Ellen Richards not painting a pretty picture of her man, you know. But uh, now, my whole thing, Ellen, and to you and brother Richard, and it's time for the if you, if you're you playing the clip by BlackAgendaReport.com, dot com. My question to you and Brother Richard is that why is not our black, so-called black elected officials telling us about these black police chiefs and, and white police chiefs going over there to that Zionist criminal state of Israel learning those tactics to come back and be used on black and brown people here in America? Why are they not pointing things out? Have have they got their uh, uh, marching orders to keep their damn mouth shut, Ellie Richard? Is that it? Why are they not saying anything? You you don't think they know about this? You don't think Gregory Mixing and Hakeem Jeffries and, and, and Dwight Evans and all those you don't think they know about these cloudball? You don't think they know about these things?
1: Well, I mean, they get money from these organizations. You you heard Jeffries from his own mouth mention mm-hmm. to that uh, uh American Jewish coalition that he he's been rewarded by his uh well no, he didn't say rewarded. What did he say? He uh he has benefited from his relationship with them.
0: Mm hmm. hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, we, we spoke later on about how he's benefited because the, the money that he was has been given by both of those organizations has been well over $500,000. So, mm-hmm. you know.
5: There you go. And as far as Donna Brazil is concerned, Elliot, I'm not surprised about her because she's, she's been a disgrace for a long time. I usually don't like to get on here and say anything about the negative. But see, I, sometimes just can't hold back. You got to tell the truth. As those folks just say, you got to tell the truth and shame the devil. I mean, she's a disgrace and she's been a disgrace for a long time. I thought the niggas would have got a so-called black black wake-up call back when she was campaigning for Al Gore when she was his campaign chair back in uh, 2000 and she got treated by the, by, I think the LAPD kind of like mistreated her. Didn't as they rough her up physically but they kind of Showed the, the, the disrespect that they usually show black people, and she made the comment about how can they do this to me. I remember the exact words, brother Elliot and brother Richard. Down in Brazil, like, how can they do this to me? Him campaigning for the for the former vice president, who's a who's a heartbeat away from the White House. You know, this is blatant racism, and I'm saying myself, like like those racist bigots out there care about you working for the former vice president. And now president you can't, like they give a damn about that. They don't mean nothing to them devils out there. But she was but she had like some kind of a, like she was shocked about that, you know. But I guess they didn't wake up and stuff. And then of course you don't remember, I don't know if you remember Brother Elliot and Richard, that a few years ago because 'cause she'd been number but a lackey and a flunky and a and a and a, a soothsayer for the Democrat Party when they pretty much had uh, kinda like shunned her a little bit. I forgot but, you, you, Instead, so kind of refresh my memory, brother Elliot and brother Richard. She got kind of peed off with the Democrat Party. Remember, she came out with this book or something where she was saying that it's possible of the Democrat Party is like a plantation. I don't know if you remember that, Elliot or mm-hmm. not.
1: Yeah.
5: Right. Like, well, and again, but see, she showed you what a nigger she is. Now, no sooner than she said that she right around that time she ran over there to that old racist Fox News and she was yucking up with with, with Tucker Carlson because she at that time she still might fall I be on the apparel because she was a Fox News contributor and I know I remember one night I happened to go past the dial and she was on there with that bigger Tucker Carlson Thomas so, well you know and she says just what these typical Negroes like her say and that goes back to her comments about black history well you know Tucker you know me you not on the same side politically Tucker but you know we we have have good dialogue. We civil towards each other, and you and you know we have good conversation, Tucker. And I, I said, boy, I'm telling you, you but to sit up there and just hand and grinning that bigot face when he a cold blooded racist bastard if ever was when you sit up there yucking it up with him. But she, but she just shows. That's why I'm not surprised that she would even invoke the name of a devil like Ronald Reagan, who was one of the most anti-white. Anti-black biggest that ever lived and stuff, right up there with the Frank Rizzles of the world. But, but again, I'm not surprised because she's so ignorant and stuff, man. You know, and, and it's sad because some black people still look at her like they look at Hakeem Jeffries and others. They look at her as some kind of vanguard or, or or some kind of you know some point of leadership in the black community when she's anything but. There. Our, our Donna brazil is, is is a hustler. You you she'll, 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 she'll sell her soul. And hope for the Democrat or the Republican party it doesn't make no difference. Oh, she getting her little trickers of silver she sell black people out like she always has been. So she's a disgrace. That's why I'm not surprised that she would make some ignorant comments about some hatred and stuff like that. And that's and that's all and that's always been a tactic. And that goes back Elliot, with that clip that you play. What was the brother's name? Re- Reverend Clegg. When y'all played that comment, he said any any black person that that that. That's, leaders that talk about integration is that is a is a traitor to their people and he's right. And that's what niggas like Donna Brazil and Meeks and and, and Jeffries do. They always want to cover their integration. So you speak hard not from hatred. We not tell nobody to go out there and kill no white people. We're not telling nobody to hate anybody. We just trying to do what we have to do to move our people forward. But whenever you come with that strong black resistance, here come a negroes like 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 Donna Brazil or a Negro like Jeffries. Oh, you you can't talk about hatred against other people. You can't let I mean wh- wh- who the hell is hate somebody? You know, we're talking about moving our people forward. But that's that cowardly, spotless negroes that 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 wanna lap be a lap dog for the white man so they wanna still Lay up there, had his foot up, his head up the white man's behind. As long as they're getting their little trinkets like Jeffrey's doing, others and while people are here catching hell. Like when they say the, the state of Black America, when you put, read that clip about the, the, the. I think the brother said it's grim. Of course, it's grim. I mean, if, if these Negroes can't see what's going on, if you can't see that your community, man, is out of control, that our young, many of our young black, not all of them, but a good portion of them around the 90, are out of control. Anytime you can see in Philadelphia, you have four young black men stopping and beating up on a woman to take her belonging. Four against a, a woman. Come on, man. You can't see that your people need help, man. What? what of course it's grim. And and, and, and But you, what the hell is y'all Negroes in that black carcass doing to eradicate this, man? Eradicate this, this this system of helplessness and despair. You know, what what is you gonna uh, I I don't know if you and Richard saw the report this week where they finally came with a revelation, Ellen Richard, to the time from we can listen audience, where they said that the uh for years schools they didn't say black, but you know what it was referring to, there's this many schools in the urban areas, if you will, in Philadelphia has been purposely underfunded by Harrisburg. Did you see that, Ellen Richard?
1: Uh, no, I didn't see it. I'm not surprised.
5: Because yeah, the, the, the lawsuit was filed and stuff, and, and the Democrats backed themselves on the back like that's a revelation. Like we already knew. And so he basically said that the lawsuit can move forward because it's clear evidence that for years those white bigots up in Harrisburg and underfunding our schools, and Elliot, they go back to what you said to Brother Richard and the list or was a few minutes ago it wasn 't just no damn white Democrat. i mean white republicans it was white Democrats doing it too, because like you said, it's, see we always get caught up in that you know this it's a right wing attack, well you got white Democrats right up there with their white brother on the other side of the aisle. Voting for legislation to do our people. And so it wasn't just those old white bigots up there that's on the, on the GOP side. Yes, some white Democrats up there for years that were side with their brethren to make sure, and they're still doing it now, to make sure that our schools in the black air, urban areas are underfunded. You know what I mean? But see, like Malcolm said on that clip you play, stop calling it a, a southern filibuster. Malcolm said it's a United States thing. I forgot how Malcolm worded it, but you get my point. He said anything thing that happened on the Senate floor, it's an American thing. It ain't no damn some old, some old. Southern bigot from South Carolina. That bigot from South Carolina, he's they, they, he, he doing the same thing his brother right up here in Rhode Island is doing. They're the same people. You know what I'm saying, Elliot? Yeah. And that's what Malcolm was saying. See, we can always get caught up in that. And they always say it's so a racist bigot from down south for some old one bigot from up the north. It's about both of them. You know what I mean? You know the, these people work in cahoots with each other. And, and, and Joe Biden showed you that when he did the State of Union he came right on out and praised his brother, Kevin McCarthy, and Mitch McConnell. Because at the end of the day, Elliot, they might have this so-called. And we have we 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 we, we ain't got to reinvent the wheel. We done been down this road. We're going this play again. We we know how it's gonna end. We have seen it so many times and stuff. They had a little so called phony political differences and stuff. But at the end of the day, they cool. Hey, uh, 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 Joe Biden had no animus towards Kevin McCarthy or, or uh Mitch McConnell. You know, that's his brother. You know what I mean? They had a little they might say little cheeky things about each other, but they'll be still having dinner with each other. Uh, after the, after the lights go out and everything's still scheming us and, and plotting on how they gonna keep do black people and and maintain white supremacy, and white hegemony. You know what I mean? I mean it's clear as day, man. We can't see this now. You know how many how many clips? Times you have to play a clip of Brother Malcolm talking about that? how we like we gonna keep falling for this oaky belt with these people, man. And they're all about maintaining whites, worldwide white supremacy and white he- hegemony around the world and at the expense of the darker people of the earth. And that's just the the with these. People people, man, you know, but yet we want to still, you know, play that game. Like, you know, like, like, like your devil is better than my devil. I mean, you know, this, we just keep going through it and wonder why people still going to hell in a handbasket? I mean, what is it going to take? What is something going to fall up the damn sky and hit us upside the head before you realize that if you're going to play in this political system, you got to play it on your own terms? And Like you said, look we can at least, and I close with this, because I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but and stuff, But like you always said, like, we can control these local elections. We can definitely use the political system to our advantage, but as long as you plan it from the white man's game, playing that Democrat Republican, and, and all that stuff, you're going to always be going to lose in, but if you can play it on your terms, of course you can get some things out this system, but you got to play it on your, end, on, on your terms, not their terms, if you play it on their terms, it's like the house always wins, they're going to always win, you know? So, hey. But but anyway, I'll, I'll close with this, man. Like I said, uh, you know, Sunday night, like I said, of course, the two black quarterbacks, you know, be a good game. Uh, you know, I hope, Jella, of course, Jella Hurts win because, you know, he's a brother. They play for the local team here in Philadelphia, but they're two great young black, and I'd like the comments that both of them made, when they made both two young brothers, they both understand the significance of being two black quarterbacks for the first time in his races in the NFL, playing in the Super Bowl, and I, I like comments by both the brothers made and stuff because, uh, of course, like you say, want them to say something stupid so they could use that. But since the brothers didn't say anything stupid they could use, they just left that alone and <laughs> went on to just pretty much talk about the game itself. So, you know. But anyway, brother Elliot, oh,
1: well, thanks, wait, man. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Joe. You accuse the NFL of being racist. I mean, how do you, how do you – what basis are you saying that? Because – Shirley <laughs> Ralph. Shirley Ralph is going to sing the uh, 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 Black National Anthem, and Babyface is going to sing America the Beautiful. So, how are you saying that America is racist? Uh, the NFL is racist, Joe.
5: You're wrong. Yeah, but I, I, I am wrong. I apologize to, to white people that listen to this show. I do apologize. I didn't mean to call that song racist. I'm sorry. My bad. The F-
1: they also going to have a country singer. I think he's going to sing something. Maybe, I think he's singing the national anthem. I think one you of mean- them, uh, Babyface is singing America the Beautiful, and Shirley right. Ralph is singing the black national anthem.
5: Well, you mean, you mean they, 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 they sing singing? He's not going to sing that old song, Take Me Home, Country Road, West Virginia. He might
1: sing that. And the thing about it, listen, the overwhelming majority of that audience that's going to be at that game is white. Oh sure, I mean, sure. Oh, They don't care nothing about Shirley Ralph singing no Black National Anthem. Of
5: course, and
1: half are. of those players don't even know the words to it. You, they and, sure and, don't. That, and that's bad to say. But they don't, don't mm-hmm. even know the words. Who are you patron? Who are you patronizing when you when you're doing that? Sure, you know, you, 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 putting money, you putting money in Babyface and, and Shirley Ralph's pocket. But you ain't mm-hmm. doing. Come on, don't 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 use me as no prop just like uh, harry bill be- uh not harry belafonte i see davis say in that clip
0: mm-hmm. he said i don't want
1: my people lied to that's right that's right he said name them for me he said because everyone you name i could show you how they've been disrespected and used
5: that's
1: right so you know and if, that's they, the, if, if they, they well, want to be man, if,
5: our ancestor Ozzie Davis said it was right or spot on what he said, man. There's no question about that. But they actually always want to use an uh, Individual Oprah, Michael Jordan, as if that's the, if, as if that's the, uh, the, the, if that's, if they, as if that's the norm for all of our people, and they know but the exceptions and stuff like that. But even with Michael Jordan and and, and uh, Oprah Winfrey, like you said, like, they got no power. They can't stand. They don't even have enough heart to stand up. Both of them billionaires, and they still can't stand up as strong black men and women. They still got a hee haw around and and stuff, and they got more money they got so much money can use this toilet paper, they still can't be free black men and women. So I'm saying myself, what's the point of, of being this so-called black billionaire, w- whether it be an Oprah Winfrey or Michael Jordan, you still don't have enough heart to stand up for your people, man. I mean, damn, do you guys know, saying. Well, how much more money do you need if we have to stand up, man? You got so much money you can never spend if you try, but you still can't got no heart to say anything, you know what I mean? You know, it's just, and listen, that, oh, that, man.
1: That, that, that racist league knows that, no matter what happens, it seems like they can always get somebody. But I remember after that Kaepernick incident happened, I think it was the year after. Gladys when they, Knight. When they had the Super Bowl, they had Gladys Knight there. Yep. And they yep. not only had her singing the national anthem, they had John, John Lewis and them. John Lewis and a couple other people was on the field there. Their, right. I remember that, Ellie. I remember it vividly, so, sure. You know, can, what message does that send?
5: And see, this is, why, this is why I have an issue with them. See, that's why I say some of these sisters and brothers, I and mean, I'm sure Gladys Knight is not at the at the head for the poverty line. I mean, I'm sure she got more money than I got in my bank account. I'm almost willing to bet that. So like you said, Brother I'm like what? point to some of these people have to be baby face, glass-laced. Tell these people, no, I'm not doing it. You know what I mean? Why do you keep per- perpetrating this far? Like, Brother Ozzy Davis, may God be pleased with our brother, say, you know, a lie. Why do you keep putting up this, trying to put this happy face on racist white America? Like, we are one big happy family. So you singing the national anthem or you singing the black national anthem while people are still getting beat down in the street by the police shot down, whatever. You got young brothers, some of them out of control, but you still trying to put this Happy face and stuff, man. Just tell these people no. Like you said, let them get. Let them get. Let them get that no singing. Uh, uh, Taylor Swift. You know, go get her. Go get her and sing the national anthem with her no singing. So, you know what I mean? You know, some other white girls they they hype but they can't sing worth a damn. Go get Taylor Swift. You know, but you know, it's, you know, let me how white how, how white racism works in in a, in, a, in a way. I don't know if you and Richard ever dealt this. You remember the white girl that that, that, that passed away several years ago and stuff? And, and when, Angela, when I first heard her sing, I thought she was black. I'm talking about the late Tina Marie. You know you know why Tina Marie is not heralded by white people? and you Now, you know, this white girl can flat out sing. There's no question about that. But you know why she was never hyped up like some of the other white girls, like Madonna and some of the other ones? Not that Madonna is necessarily a bad singer, per se, but when, you, but when you look at these white girls like Taylor Swift and all, who can't sing with for damn uh, Britney Spears to get all these awards, can't sing "What for damn. The reason why Tina Marie is not held up in high esteem by a lot of whites, Ellen Rich, and me, she has talked about this over the years, because she has a strong... Black following, and that's, and whites don't like that. If she didn't have a strong black following, she would have won about 20 Grammys in her lifetime because the white girl can flat out see because she has a lot of black people that like Tina Marie. This is why white America could never really elevate her because they don't like, as far as they're concerned, she's an end lover or, she, or she's loved by ends and stuff. You get my point, Elliot? There you go. Peace. All right, Elliot. But look, put me on mute, Elliot, and I'll listen to the rest of the show.
1: All right. Thanks.
5: Thanks. Thanks. You're welcome.
1: Let's go to two one two two one two two one two. Hey, what's going
8: on, brothers? This is brother Maurice. Yes, sir. <clears throat> yeah, I, I just I just have a couple of comments. Y'all went and started some stuff, so I have to help you, you know, burn the house down. You know that theme where you know we immigrated in, in, into a burning house.
0: Mm-hmm.
8: I was looking, you know, um, everybody knows uh, that. Black education is important, and that our black institutions are very important, especially our black radio stations on black uh, uh, campuses. So, you know, the black radio station WEAA uh, 88.9 on historic uh, Morgan State University uh, campus in the School of Journalism, uh, Global Journalism and Communication. They posted an article uh, by uh, uh, Professor Carisona uh, Wise uh, Whithead, a uh, whitehead, excuse me, and stuff. And she was talking about this issue of uh, black resistance. Okay, so I just want to read a little bit of this because no. you're going to find this interesting. It kind of codifies some of the stuff that you were talking about. Uh, uh, Dr. Whitehead said. We have learned since then that the battle for civil rights is not just about changing laws, practices, or policies, or procedures, but it's about changing the hearts and minds of racist white folks and complicit black folks. We are not just fighting those outside our community, but those within our community as well. The Black History Month theme of 2023 is black resistance, which is an essential part of who... We are in a necessary tool that will help us to reconcile what it means to both live in a house and burn it down. Black people, I was always taught, are the heart and soul of this nation. We are the canaries in the minefield who cry out when this nation strays too far from who it's supposed to be to all of us. We believe in the idea of, uh, we believe in the, idea of the American dream just not the reality. We too sing America. We just wanted to do, you just want to do it with our own voices and our own song. Okay. So this is a black professor on a, uh, on a radio station. You know, this is the article that they posted. I'm going to, I will send it to you, Okay. but it's talking about the, about black resistance. And I thought that was actually interesting because it, it kind of married the conversation that you were talking about with Donna Brazil. We keep talking about the wrong thing. If we listen to what uh brother Frederick Doug doesn't want us to be a part of anything unless it's a war. They want us to be their friend. We've saw that we with every damn war it has been in this country. And when we talk uh you you can even see when black people stood up for themselves they were attacked. I mean do. The Red Summer. Did we talk about where blacks came? They secured the, uh, made the world safer, democracy, and expected a country. And he had three hundred eighty thousand black men and women that served. And then they came back here, and they were rise all through that that summer of nineteen nineteen, where they murdered black people and stuff because they said we were getting too uppity, we were expecting too much stuff. We thought that things were going to change, and that whole narrative continues. You know that it, in it, um there is um something else i want to mention real quick i'm i'm, I'm trying not to take up all the time cuz i don't want to keep um other people off but um i know uh brother richard there was a, a article that was out uh dealing with the brain scans that they were doing on uh on black children So uh brain scans show effect of poverty and stress on black children and the thing that i think about is very interesting about this this is a rationale for why black children are not doing well and so rational about their behavior. And so when they talk about this type of stuff, we have to be very careful as we can't allow them to categorize and then rationalize how they deal with our children because they're talking about these children are operating in what they call hypervigilance. And it, the definition, it talks about people who are, who are hypervigilant are constantly on guard and prone to overreaction, which we already hear that type of narrative. Right when we're dealing with the police or dealing with other individual authorities, okay, they maintain an intense and sometimes obsessive awareness of their surroundings and frequent, frequently scanning for threats or for routes of escape. So that so that now they're classifying our children as hyper village, village uh, vigilant, and then there's a there's a rationale right there because we're going to overreact. We're going to be looking to do these things that are out of what is considered the normal. So there's a rationale why people are not achieving and not doing well because of, quote-unquote, the surroundings. Now, this is coming from um, – I think this is Harvard University, and, again, I think I'll, I'll, you know, I'll make sure I send it out to you. But, I, but the thing is I'm listening to them as I'm looking at situations like the one down in Georgia where the black uh, young lady attached, attacked her teacher – and then now Georgia's calling for zero tolerance. I'm looking at the setup. I'm looking at this whole idea when we talk about zero tolerance with our children. When we're talking about how we're going to deal with them. You see that they're out of control because of the nature of that of the, of the bred to be this way based on the, the how they exist within the communities. And now there's a justification to do the things that are necessary to get them under control. See, You understand? Now, now I'm not saying that there's, there's not stress within the black community. Of course it is. But when they start talking about it, it's always a reason reason. to explain what they do.
1: Okay. So, um, there's.
8: um, I I don't want to go too long, brother. I don't want you to be mad at me. There was one of the thing that that I was looking at. One of the thing, and I'll um, I'll get off. Um, There's this uh, American Social uh, History Project. It, it, It has a center for media and learning. And then what I was looking at, their whole idea, what their definition of black resistance was in terms of how they framed the conversation. And uh, it just made me laugh because, again, within the context of the, the conversation, they were talking about black resistance within the 20th century. And then they framed it by selecting four individual black leaders and then how that black, that the, the philosophy of black resistance would lead to equality. And again, here we go with the E word, right? equality right again there here you have the oppressor telling you what is the remedy to your situation so i just wanted to drop that in i don't i don't know if you got a chance to see where they were going crazy over that flyer that i uh i, I knew you were on the air because there was a flyer that supposedly president biden or the or the, or the, the um Customs department was uh sending out or handing out to the to the uh u.s department of uh, border patrol and customs dealing with um black history month and black resistance. And I thought it was very interesting in terms of the names that they was on. And I don't, I can't, I went to their website. I can't confirm or deny, but I, you know, I do track just like they listening to everything we talk about. I track the, I track the other side to see what they're talking about and what they're putting up. So I, cause I want to know what they're talking about. They always want to know what we're talking about. So again, do you have this idea of black resistance? Um, People are saying black resistance is black love. People are saying black resistance is black joy. Okay, and I'm, I'm and I'm trying to understand where we why are you changing the narrative? I thought black resistance was about about being free, and black you know, that's that's what I thought. So anyway, let me get off because I don't want other brothers not to get a chance to talk. I'll talk to you brothers <laughs> later. I'll send that out to you.
1: Hey, thanks for your contribution, bro.
8: Okay, now peace.
1: Peace. Richard, he, uh, he listen. That's what I thought. Black resistance was always about. If you look back at that, you know, you know, we talk about this a lot in the different uh, our ancestors and all that left messages and all in this struggle. Maybe we ought to kind of highlight this before the mothers out, Richard. Yeah, and you know, yeah. kind of encapsulate it all. And uh, because you mentioned some things tonight that maybe we can put it all in the program and, and talk about this from a, a resistance perspective.
4: Uh, tra- tra- um track the language and 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 I I look at it as a, you know track the strategy um we have very, you know this is this is a part of a grant what freedom is and why resistance was necessary the resistance was a tactical approach to achieve the strategy of freedom you know i mean this it's it's but we got to we got to track it yeah
1: but i mean according to what uh, what Maurice just quoted this professor at Morgan, according to mm-hmm. Brazil, it's all about equality
4: with whites, and, and that's that's another strategy that you know. And the only difference is one gets support by the dominant society, yes, and the other one gets destroyed by yes. the dominant side, yes,
1: yes, <laughs> because they were never about any equality uh, with, uh, with Europeans. It was never about that as far as they were concerned. Mm-hmm. And you can see, it's almost like a carrot being dangled in front of your face. You reaching, you reaching, and it's always being pulled in another direction.
4: All and they only do... did it out of duress. It wasn't, it wasn't out of, you know, I mean, you no, know, it's always being done out of, um, shame in, in the global side and a global scale. Or dispute domestically amongst themselves. Exactly. It's, it's not about you know. Or if we react because they the condition gets to that point. You know, it's a certain point where when you're talking about strategy. You're talking about you know game game theory. You're talking about um, planning, tactics, moves. It's it's as you, as people say, it's uh, chess, not checkers. You know, they. I mean? But but when it's reaction. As uh you know, you you'll see that it's an emotional response. You know, Joyce Floyd. It's an emotional response. The de- desperation of poverty. It's when the when the grip of the society is so intense that we have emotionally, we have we we have no other play uh, no other thing than to react. And then the reaction they call it self destruction, and we call it you know. um you know, uh, moves of liberation, but it's emotional. It isn't strategic because after that moment, it dies down. And what do they learn? I mean, this is a, it's a governance mechanism. They learn well. Look, we know. I mean, you can have one out of every four living in in dire poverty. You can have, um, you know, one. You know, damn near um, one third. You know. That is only the ones that can really come out of their that educational process. We can have that. But at a certain point when we get a little bit more, then they emotionally respond. And then, and then that requires that we have to we have to look good. Because when that George Floyd thing, you know, the Chinese said, like, look at y'all. The Russians said, Look at y'all. The African countries said, Look at y'all. And y'all are coming over here messing with us. Over and over again, World War Two. They're like you know, look, are you talking to us about freedom, you know, and, and look, look, look what's happening, happening in in the South. What, what do you have to say to us? And they're like, OK, we got to back up. So, but but that strategy of, well, what we want is equality. What we want, we call it integration. We want some of us to do better. And, and we can be examples for the other ones to do just like us. That's not that's not a winning strategy. Matter of fact, the question is, what is the, what is the collateral damage? How many people have to die? As, as, uh, um, you know, brother, um, Garnett said, how many of that blood that's soaked in the ground has to be spilled in order to be able to, um, to, to accomplish that strategy? A lot.
1: Which the struggle continues, man. Mm-hmm. But we leave tonight, uh, uh, tomorrow, uh, 7 to 9, the elders of Sankofa with Dr. Janine James on time for an awakening. And then we'll be back Sunday evening at 7 p.m. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always, and we'll be back on Sunday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace.
0: If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon or you're watching your children playing See oh, yeah.